Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit, presented by myself, Jen Schwartz of Impact Your Fitness, where we believe you must think fit before you can live fit and exercise pain-free. This podcast is an educational resource for active people who want to prevent and avoid chronic injuries or stay as fit as possible without worrying about old injuries. Hello, my fellow fitness bosses. This episode is starting with two exciting announcements. It's also an interview unlike any other one that I've done on Think Fit Be Fit. And before those juicy announcements, here's a big welcome to you and all the amazing possibilities of 2020. Happy new decade. First announcement is about the podcast. There will now be a Monday release. The series is called Your Fitness CEO. These episodes will be 10 to 15 minutes in length and will only cover the necessities about the concepts and science behind upgrading your fitness and thinking fit and being fit. The second announcement is the Movement Pathways live course dates. This is so exciting. This is the class that I have created for my best clients and have worked really hard to make it a course about your true physical education, how to exercise without old injury. We discuss the inner workings of how your body can change instantaneously instantaneously with the right stimulus, the right amount of exercise. We discuss the scientific concepts that support our think how our thinking about exercise and how we feel and how we value our body, the science of those beliefs into high quality fitness. We cover proven methods for increasing flexibility without stretching. We cover simple assessment methods so that you know exactly what you need to warm up, what exactly you need to strengthen and target around the weakened joints that have had injury. So it's a true physical education. It is the inside view of your exercise, of your body. It's hands-on when we do it live, which is in Alexandria, Virginia, March 6th, 7th, and 8th. And on the online course, we there are just a ton of videos, exercise library, all kinds of educational YouTube lectures, and well, like I said, a lot of video. There's a lot of me in there. And It really is something I've spent hundreds of hours developing and I'm very excited to help you all experience what it feels like to exercise without injury and make progress. Please go to impactyourfitness.net 
slash register movement pathways. The link will also be in the show notes. Today's interview is something I'm very proud to bring to the audience because it's our first true nutrition episode. And I I don't talk that we've had 50 episodes and we don't mention nutrition that much because it's not in my lane. You know, this is not my expertise. I, I love food. I love cooking it. I love the participating in the science of nutrition, but it's not in my lane. So I'm so happy to bring Jacqueline of Athletes Nutrition. Her sports nutrition, fitness nutrition, bodybuilding, all types of um, experience in autoimmune nutrition. And not only that, she's licensed. She's the real deal, not a coach. She holds a master's of science in nutritional sciences, is a board certified nutrition specialist, an LDN, which is a licensed dietetic nutritionist, and is also certified by CISSN, Certified Sports Nutritionist. And that's um, an international certification. And she also holds fitness certifications in weightlifting and NASM. Her sports background even includes, her sports nutrition background even includes authoring a study of over 200 NFL combine athletes and data-driven sports nutrition. I invited Jacqueline to be on Think Fit Be Fit for multiple reasons. First, it's so important to me that I share this podcast to not only help you become a smarter consumer and caretaker of your wellness, but also that you can learn about your body from a foundation of science. Jacqueline and I both share that motive. The second reason I'm so excited to introduce you to her is because she is above and beyond the traditional sports nutritionist. Sports nutritionist. She is a functional medicine nutrition specialist. And we get into that and why you might figure out why I guide my clients towards functional medicine and functional nutrition more often than any other suggestion or referral out. The third reason I invited her to be the first nutrition expert on the podcast is because of the these two words, board certified and licensed. Uh, this is a pretty serious issue in the world of Instagram. And I wanted to share her love and natural ability for education. So she really believes in education for the long-term success of athletes and any person who wants to be active and healthy. Um, She's not just sourcing high quality information, she's showing us how to use it and what it means to be science-based. The fourth reason I invited her is because she is active in fostering female leadership in sports careers. I love, 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 love. We talk about all this stuff and combines and nootropics and off-season football nutrition. We talk about teenage athletes, um, 
what what women are doing in research fields it's vast and I did the interview in this like way so I could just get her to talk and participate and show you her passion and expertise you if you are interested in hiring her because I am truly uh in 2020 you can reach her at athletesnutrition.com and Athletes Nutrition on Instagram. That's A-T-H-L-E-A-T-S Nutrition. Athletes. And um, yeah, so we start with a chat about female leadership and sports careers and fostering young females in athletics, which... As if you have listened to the last episode, that's one of my favorite topics. So I hope you enjoy and I look forward to seeing you in Movement Pathways. Or if you have any questions about that, you can reach me on Instagram at Impact Your Fitness. That's Impact underscore your underscore fitness. Happy New Year. sports every year that now and in the future that women that are up and coming and younger girls people that are thinking about what they're going to do in college understand that there are huge opportunities for women in sports and there is so much room especially in strength and conditioning and in nutrition really hands on working in sports because right now what i see is that the industry the females are more dominant in the area of the marketing and PR and sales, like ticket sales, front office. And so mm-hmm. to me, yes, they are working in the business of sports, but for me, it's more hands-on with sports. Uh, and there's so much opportunity because there's so many women, but not just women, there's men too. So it doesn't just limit us down to working with women whatsoever. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for women. I've been telling all the interns that have worked underneath me or with me or at facilities that they need to stay on this path because we need more female strength and conditioning coaches. We need more female sports nutrition. Mm. Yeah. Um, women are great coaches. You know, we're, we're li- just like we're great practitioners. We're great coaches. We listen well, we nurture, it's just in us. Um, and we understand and we put so much into things. So I think not just for women, but also for men that we can be amazing coaches and there's a lot of room for us, but of course, specifically for women, there are so many female athletes and that's an area that's just lacking. You know, it's lacking in research and it's lacking in the support from the coach standpoint. And yes, there are some men that are great coaches, but every woman will tell you that women get it better. You know, we Mm. understand our movement better. We understand what we go through emotionally better. So it just helps to have stronger women out there in the field. So I think that the women that are already paving the path and the women that are looking and the young girls should understand that there's a lot of opportunity out there for us. Yeah. I love talking to my, I I work mostly with high school athletes. So connecting with them and talking about their future and talking about how much they can choose from and how many different avenues they can go into sports in my field, which is like injuries and injury prevention, they always go straight to, I want to be a physical therapist. And I don't think that's what they actually want. You know, I think it's just 
they see that as the, I don't know, the first veil of what sports medicine and like strength and conditioning is. So I told a couple of the girls that I was talking to you in, um, in our sessions. And, you know, I was like, this girl's like done all this education and she's so dedicated. And they were all just like, oh my God, that's so cool. And they were, they were really into it. So, you know, I'm also here for them as much as me right now. (laughs) And, um, and you said something interesting about, uh, lacking in research for females. So do you, are you talking about the whole spectrum of nutrition and sports or one specific area no, you it's really see lacking? Like when you look yeah. at actual research studies, so first of all, most studies are done in colleges, right? With college students, PhD candidates. Mm-hmm. And so they're usually done on college students because they're available. Um, and it's true, women are a little bit harder to study because we do have our cycles and times of the month. I know a mm-hmm. couple of um, exercise science professors who have, you know, over the past two years, been doing more research on women. Um, but in the past, it's really just been on men. So when we get these studies, you know, look at the journal of strength and conditioning, and it's like 20 well-trained men or mm-hmm. 50 well-trained men, or even epidemiological, sometimes it's all men, you know, very small amounts of women. Um, so we have all of our guidelines based upon men, you know, for nutrition mm. and for training. So, and we're not men, we're just not, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And so that's what we've been going off of. And I think it's just starting to come to people's attention that, hey, guess what? We've been basing our training and our nutrition protocols off of studies on men. So there's just, it's not there. Um, And then also the compliance to some of these studies does require a lot. And I think I've heard, you know, it's just harder with women, especially if they have kids they're taking care of, you know, all the usual excuses, right? I mean, these are Mm -hmm. kind of excuses. We can can get women that are dedicated enough. And I I don't have the, the means or funds to do research, but I've thought about it. And every woman I've ever spoke to was like, sure, I'd love to be a part of your study. You know, definitely be compliant to it because especially a lot of female athletes, they want to know more. They want to learn more. Um, so I think yeah. that it's really a research across the board. Everything we're going off of is, well, how does it, re- how does it change men? Cause that's what we know. Mm. Yeah. Do you think there's any sport that's, um, or even school that is, able to lead with females, research, nutrition, strength and conditioning? There's a a professor, and I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she's at University of North Carolina, and she does some research. um, Abby, I want to say Abby Smith, she does research with women. She's done some. Um, Stacey Sims has been doing some. She's out of the U.S. right now, I think. So I think that it just takes a really strong female professor in this industry Mm -hmm. who's interested, has the lab, you know, and can write the grants and get the research money. That's what it really comes down to, right? Because the research, and then, and then secondary is usually a company has invested interest. So they pay for the research, you know, and that's more of a bias, but still maybe if there's a company that's run by a woman, uh, she'd be more interested in doing research on women. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, then what, um, I guess I'm going to back up to like something about you know, you and the leadership piece. Um, when, what, what was the point in your career and your educational uh, journey that like it stood out to you that women need more attention, a bigger spotlight and more encouragement? 
for me, I guess I didn't realize it until I was a little bit older. Um, I started lifting weights at age 15 and I would just go into the gym and just watch what all the guys did and make my own workouts. <laughs> I was the only female in the weight room and it never phased me that I was any different, honestly. Um, yeah. And I didn't really understand. And it wasn't until probably I started competing in bodybuilding, which was something I never planned to do, but someone talked me into it. And I started to see all of the problems that were arising with these women afterwards and starting to see all the damage that was done to people. I know damage is not the right word to use, but you know, there are metabolic ad adaptations that happen and there's a lot of psychological adaptations. And I think after I was involved in that world is when I started to see how different women were and especially the rebound. Um, mm -hmm. And then going to school and starting to study more and understanding hormones and now myself being the age that I am, you know, I'm 41 and I'm working with and surrounded by a lot of perimenopausal women or women with fertility issues. And so you realize, oh, wait a minute, we are so much different than men. We have so many different things going on in our body. We can't just follow what men are doing. And mm -hmm. that's, I would say, probably in my later 30s is when I started, I was a 36 until now is when I started to realize I can't be training like a man all the time. I can't be following what men are doing and women shouldn't either. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't until then. So that's what 20 some years of me being pretty active and competing and active in the world of, of exercise science and nutrition and training. Yeah. I, I too was a 15 year old in the weight room kind of following. I had a couple magazines where I would say, Oh, I, I intuitively understood like a couple things that I was trying to do exercise wise, but yeah, I was following around the guys and, uh, I didn't realize the difference that between females and males until, um, yeah, I guess it was like at the end of my play playing career, which wasn't very long, but it was so obvious to me that it was like a cultural thing. Like I just thought of myself as an athlete. I didn't really think of myself as a female athlete. And that totally changed the way that I saw sports and approached myself. And, and anyways, um, well, the, I think you bring up a good yeah. point. I think, especially for females in sports, I remembered myself when I realized that there was a limiting factor. You know, I played basketball in high school and I was really active. And that was, I think maybe the first year WNBA came out, but I wasn't really looking at like, oh, I could have a professional career in this. For women, it caps out, right? So we look at, mm -hmm. okay, maybe we can get a college scholarship or I just loved playing sports. It wasn't even about a scholarship. I just wanted to play. But we don't look at it as, as the longer term goal that men can as being a mm. long term career, right? Even though there are other careers, hey, maybe you're not going to be a pro athlete, but you can be a coach. You can be mm. a person. You can be a coach, whether it be strength and conditioning or even a position coach. You know, now there's female NFL coaches. So I think that that changes the way that we approach sports as well as females. Um, because where are we going with it after high school or college? You know, and how much of our life are we dedicating to it at that time? Mm as females who might be thinking about childbirth in their 20s, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's another reason why we have to look at things differently. Um, I was, yeah, I, I coached soccer all through my 20s. And it, I mean, I, I know of one girl that we've worked together and she is like pregnant with her third child. And she's the only one that I know that has like, act, like stuck around the whole entire decade that I, you know, I've been in the same area. Uh, so many um, move, there's just a lot of attrition and 
there's probably not a lot of infrastructure and support set up for females to coach, even though they should be valued more in general because of the growing female athlete populations and what it means to foster and nurture a female athlete through her adolescence and, you know, teens and what that does for them, you know, their whole entire health outlook, their body outlook, their confidence. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I, I honestly really, I feel really strongly about, especially in soccer anyways, how much we, we need to value more in female coaches and support them. Um, I mean, I see it with, um, I've seen some volleyball, you know, the place I worked at in Atlanta, they did coach high school and college athletes. So we'd have some younger women that came through and their moms would always say, you know, can you talk to my daughter? One of the biggest things is, and these women have to me the most amazing bodies, but they don't look like their peers. You know, they're not, they're, they're Mm -hmm. developed, they have muscle, they're taller, they're athletic. And to, to me, it's like, wow, you're so lucky. But to them, it's like, I look different than everybody else. So it starts then, right? It starts when so true. body's looking different, or maybe even if you're very athletic, puberty's hitting you at a later time. So there's those changes. And then once it does hit, I've worked with some teenage tennis pros, then it's like, oh my gosh, wow, what's happening almost overnight? And why, is, why am I gaining weight or not losing weight like I used to? Or why am I feeling different? And who do you talk to about that? Your mother, maybe, but are they, do they understand the athletic side of it? It would be great to have female coaches and mentors who understood that and can talk mm. to them. Because- you need that, you know? Um, and I think so it's really, really important that in high school and then in college also injuries, you know, women are prone to different injuries. Um, Mm -hmm. and this whole thing, I don't know if you do with like the Cipro and these medications that are showing that women are, um, if you're taking these antibiotics, you can tear your ligaments and tendons faster. Yeah. If I had a sound effect audio engineer right now, I'd be like sounding the horn, <laughs> like everybody listen. <laughs> right, and, and, and yeah. then there's the other part where, what do we know about NSAIDs now and all these anti-inflammatories, you know, giving them to people. So there's just so many different things. I feel like having a female coach can really help through those rough times because psychologically there's a huge aspect of sports for men and women, but you know, women happen to be more, well, I think that we're more emotional, but I do think we're tougher than men in the long run. Uh, but yeah. we, we need that aspect too. So being a coach for a female is not just about direction, but it's really about being a mentor as well. Mm. Um, and so I want to dial it in. Do you, so when working with younger female athletes, what, what kind of questions are you, are you working with just the athlete and the parent or, and what kind of questions are you asking the athlete? Like what's a, um, you know, from a general one to something even more perhaps specific. In the cases that I have worked with teenager high school athletes, the parents are very involved and they need to be because what, what teenagers really making all of their meals themselves and doing the food shopping, especially if they're either like at a competitive level or a professional level, they're too busy for that. So their parents are the ones that are doing all of the legwork really at that point. So the parents have to be involved and they have to be on board. Um, and there's different aspects to it. There's the parents that are too overly on board and it's like, okay, let this child have a voice. And I have to do private coaching with them a lot too, because I need to hear from them mm-hmm. how they're feeling when their parents aren't around. And I hope to mm-hmm. gain trust from them because stories can be a little bit different when the parents aren't sitting next to them about how they're feeling, about if they're too tired, if they're too hungry, if it's too much for them, are they having a breakdown this week? Um, maybe they don't want to talk about their period in front of even their mom. 
Um, so I think it's important to have the, the parents there when we're talking about the logistics and to have just the athlete there when we're talking about the athlete and their sports career, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me, like how much, the, like how much we don't have a language for these things like fatigue and pain. And we have like, when you're working with the younger populations, you have to like really like, I don't know, like get it out of them. Like say, okay, here's a number one through five. Like, how do you feel after you eat? Like, and you know, the, and, and, and it seems like their attitudes about food and about exercise come directly from their parents, you know? Uh, that's, I mean, in my experience with injuries, like that has, it, it still surprises me to this day, like how much similarities I've seen between the kids' outlook and the parents' outlook on injury. Do you find the same? Um, you know, that's hard for me to say because I have to be honest, like high school is not my main focus. So I do have like, uh -huh you know, a handful of people over the years. So I'm just thinking back to them. And a lot of those times when somebody seeks my help, that means that parent has kind of already acknowledged that they need somebody, a professional's help, right? They want the yeah. best for their child and they've acknowledged it. Um, so they're more open-minded to hearing what the coaches have to say. But yeah, of course there's that embedded culture. I mean, I even see it with my college football players, the ones who come out, I mean, you, they could come out of Alabama, right? They could come out of the most LSU where they spend 8 million on their nutrition program and they know absolutely nothing when they come to me unless they've learned it from their parents growing up. So it's mm. the people that have, have been brought up in an environment where they were taught about nutrition a little bit or their parents were aware of it or they had a cook. Those are the ones who know the most. It's not about these huge college programs that are putting millions into their nutrition. Mm. So it definitely stays with them, you know? Yeah. Um, so what, what does LSU's program look like? Well, I'm not, I don't know, cause I'm not fully at LSU, but I do know, I think it was LSU or Alabama just put so much money into like their facilities, their locker rooms, their, their football facility, what their, their nutrition program. I mean, they have top of the line, everything, mm. but these kids are just kind of following the motions and you can't blame them. Listen, Hey, if I was playing for number one college in the country and I was a college football player, I am like on cloud nine. The last thing I'm thinking about is when I go home, what do I need to be eating when I'm not with the team? Because they have their meals with the team, but they need to eat outside of that. And they don't have money. It's not like they're not being paid. So mm -hmm. what's, what are, what's a college kid going to do? They're going to go to Popeye's. They're going to go to Chipotle. They're going to get hot fries from the vending machine. Um, so it's kind of like they're doing what they know they need to be doing while they're with the team and it's being given to them. But then what happens after that? So that's where I think there's a disconnect. And I'm sure there's some educational programs going on in there, but do you really, I just think, I personally think that that's not their first priority. That's not what they're thinking about. They're on top of the world right now, you know, playing college football. Yeah. Out to yeah. Try out for the pros, you know? Yeah. Uh, speaking of combine, I am fascinated with the combine when, to the place that I go, because I can, I'm really seeing, witnessing this transition of they're learning how to be track athletes essentially and what and training several times a day um and trying to recover the rest of the day and what um when you're doing nutrition for a program like that how um different is it is it than like an individualized like coaching on an off-season program 
such a different program. So as you know, I've been preparing heavily for what's coming up starting January 2nd. And mm. all of the collateral, all of the educational material, everything that I have is completely different not completely. I mean, a science is a science, but it's a different approach. We have eight weeks to make things happen and things happen and they happen fast and they mm -hmm. happen intensely. And I've got these guys that, like I said, it's kind of like their first time out on their own. And it's not, I'm, and they're to me, you know, they're not even back to their moms. They're like, okay, I know nothing. I don't have food cooked for me every day since the first time, since I was 12. I am probably staying in a hotel. I'm training harder than I've ever trained in my entire life. Mm -hmm. and and food is a huge part of that. So what I have to do is really have everything simple as possible and drive home these messages as easy as I can and explain as much as I can without overwhelming them, right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a completely different approach. I mean, yes, general population too. I don't want to just shove everything down their throat either, but this mm -hmm. is like, we have to get things done. And we're talking putting on 10, 15 pounds of muscle. It really happens in eight weeks and we're losing you know, 10, 20 pounds of body fat. Um, these things happen and they happen fast. These guys are very anabolic. They're being put in a stimulus that they've never had. And their their strength and conditioning coaches are amazing, you know, in, the com in combination with eating well and the supplements and the recovery, the results we have are just outstanding. So it's different. It's definitely a different approach than my off season professional athletes or even working with them year round, different goals. I mean, they do come to me in off season saying February, February, March, April, three months, I want to reach this goal, or this is what I want to work on. Um, and then hopefully that kind of carries into the year, it doesn't just end. So it's a more a long-term goal. We're not, we're not focused on this March 1st tryout for the NFL. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a different pace. Also, it's um, a whole different environment. So when you go to combine training, you're basically in a camp per se. They're staying in a hotel, mm -hmm. or maybe they're staying in a house or condos. Um, with all different people that they've never met before and they come in every day and they're with us. So it's a completely different environment. Um, their agents are supporting them. So their agents are the ones who's paying for their, usually they have a meal prep, any food outside of that. Um, so they're still not financially independent yet to make their, to make huge food decisions, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, it's, uh, it's so unique. It's such a unique experience being inside a combine. Like it's, uh, it, seeing people eke out, uh, their top 2% and being a part of that growth is, it's just so cool. There's nothing like it. <laughs> and it's so amazing. It's the most motivating time of the year for me because <laughs> I just, I vibe off of that so much as an athlete. I mean, I hit PRs when I'm in the weight room with them because these guys are giving it their all. The energy is just amazing. And they're, especially the first couple of weeks, they are beat up and tired. It is the mm -hmm. hardest they've ever worked in their life. And like you said, it's hours, usually three sessions a day, you know, anywhere from, I would say five hours of output, you know, mm -hmm. it's pretty, yep. so it's a, it's an amazing experience. That's for sure. Yeah. I listened, I found one story on NPR that, that, that in, encased my excitement for uh, working in a combine and it was about a veterinarian that every year went to Alaska to work on Iditarod dogs and which is like their race, you know, that's like their Olympics. And she was just so happy because she was with these wonderful athletes, these dogs that were doing what they were meant to be doing. And it was just a process of hard work, joy, and just, putting in 
everything you have. And it was just, it was, so it was uh, from actually earlier this year. And it was, I just, I loved the episode so much. It was um, whatever Terry Gross does. Anyways, um, the one thing I am so, that I love about your feed and I love about your presence is education, but not in the form of, here's a list of five things that are secrets. You're so into the lock and key relationships of human body and nutrition. And uh, I, I get that, but what is the difference in your words, like between functional nutrition with sports nutrition and like a traditional sports nutrition approach? Traditional sports nutrition is really based purely on performance, right? Performance, body composition. Um, and I, my opinion is they don't take into consideration the functional medicine side being how do these food elements and these things that we're telling you to put into your body actually affect the rest of your body, right? Because it's all biochemical mm -hmm. reactions. And it's not just about take these carbs, take these powdered carbs, take this Gatorade, take this, you know, hydrogenated whatever we stuck into this bottle and it's protein. You know, that is <laughs> where sports nutrition is, unfortunately. Um, it's almost like you want to say run by big pharma, it's run by like the big brands. They have their mm -hmm. hands in the pot with that. Um, but the body as a whole. So there's so many systems going and athletes have sicknesses too and athletes have issues they deal with. They deal with gut problems, they deal with autoimmunity, they deal with, um, you know, injuries. Oh, I should have shut that off. Give me one second to just do that. <laughs> no problem. Okay. So I think that, you know, we look for, in functional medicine, we look at root causes. So what's causing things, but we're also looking at the quality of things that are going into our body and how that's going to affect it. So when people say they need hydration, okay, well, why do we need to be more hydrated? Why are we sticking Gatorade into your body, which doesn't even cover a, a eighth of the amount of sodium that you need back. There's better things out there. Um, or recovery, what electrolytes do you need? You know, magnesium and taking that at night and the right form of magnesium because mm -hmm. the quality that you're taking and the form of nutrients are important and the combination of nutrients so that they can be bio, the most bioavailable or so that we're not inhibiting absorption of certain nutrients because certain nutrients don't work well together. Um, so there's like that aspect of it. And then of course, like I said, there's the gut aspect of it. So how can we make you, and also nootropics, I'm really into cognitive function. Um, uh, nootropic, N-O-O. Yeah, N-O-O. Yeah, yeah. So nootropics are basically vitamins and minerals for your brain. And there's a few out there that are scientifically proven. They help with cognitive function. They help you think faster. There's some that are proven to help you perform better in heat and cold, cold weather. Um, and they need to be taken regularly, but, and they're also produced by our brain naturally and can be obtained in regular foods, but it can also help to take them um, in a supplemental form. And then some of them also help with our cortisol if our cortisol is too high throughout the season. So there's a lot of depth into that, but I'm really a big fan of nootropics because I feel like when you have 10 elite athletes out there, what's going to separate one from the next? probably the person who can think the fastest, who can mm. maintain the most level head, who has the best processes of thinking, you know, um, because everyone, when you get to elite level, very different between elite and elite, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, ex exactly. It's like one to 2%. Yeah. And that translates to a 10th of a second, you know, like, and decision-making yeah. 
is everything. Which um, also translates over to a few million dollars too. Oh so yeah, I'm, that I'm too. I've been doing these pitches for these agencies for sports agents lately, and everything is about dollar and cents with them. For me, for me, the athlete is not about that at all. It's about them being the most you know human and healthy, and and I care so much about that part of things. And I have to speak this language to agents, which is dollars and cents. So mm -hmm. lately, it's kind of how does this all translate into dollars and cents? And it does for the athletes. And if you're a professional athlete, at the end of the day, you're playing to be paid too. So it's not just about longevity of your career and health. And I look at overall health, but they are definitely trying to get paid the most as well. You know? Um, oh, functional medicine and functional nutrition. Yeah. Those are two different things or do they, in, do you think it's so, the same? So functional Functional nutrition is a part of functional medicine. When people go to school to be a naturopathic doctor, nutrition is actually a, I think there's five different pillars. I don't know them off the top of my head, but nutrition is definitely one of them. Where a regular doctor, allopathic doctor does not study nutrition, nutrition is a big part of a naturopathic doctor's education. Um, so in functional medicine is functional medicine nutrition. And so functional medicine means that we get to the root cause of an issue rather than just treating it. Allopathic will generally give you a medication to help your symptoms. So like I have cramps, you're gonna take Motrin. Um, I have high cholesterol, you're gonna take a statin. Where functional medicine is, I have high cholesterol. Okay, why, where is it coming from? What part of your cholesterol? How can we change that naturally? What can we do with foods? What can we do with your diet? What can we do with supplements, botanicals? Anything before we have to get you on a medication. Um, so we're kind of preventing long-term illness. And it's the same thing for me with my athletes for inflammation, right? I don't want them to have to take toroidal shots or have to take, um, you know, NSAIDs so much that they're having gut problems in the long run. And that does happen. You know, some of them have ulcers from all the medication they've taken. Um, so what can we do with anti-inflammatories like fish oils and curcumin? Um, and now we have CBD out there. So how can we use what nature's given us to help long-term? you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's where another area that I combine that as well. And then, you know, we get into family life, um, fertility, family planning, things like that. That's a big aspect as well. And it's definitely yeah. nutrition. And then of course, endocrine disruptors, right? Things that are affecting your testosterone levels, your estrogen levels. So we have these plastic water bottles. How many plastic water bottles do you think athletes, male and female have used from their, since they were 10 years old? You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. How, and we know that that's an endocrine disruptor. So how can we remove that? Just little things in their life throughout the day, you know, just little tiny things here and there. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of them are tiny. Like you're suggest you you brought up like magnesium timing. That if if that helps your sleep and helps your you know overall the productivity of your sleep, if you will, that's gonna change your whole entire day and life. It's it's to me, it, you know, the little those little things. Um, and having support to change those things, that's not like just your parents nagging you or just like your coach being like, I, if the coach is even thinking about that, <laughs> probably not. But um, having the support to make the little changes, it, it's like huge. And then you've got, you know, three guys on the squad of, you know, 10. If three of them are doing it, potentially the fourth, fifth, and sixth are going to pick up on that too so that's a whole that's a whole meta 
change that. And then on know. the opposite side, what, what I've been seeing these trends, one or two guys start to do keto in the middle of the season. And now five or six guys are doing <laughs> keto or vegetarian or vegan. And it's not supervised well, it's not done well. And now you're starting to get injuries. And then you're coming into the end of the season. Everyone's, Why is everyone injured? Well, what are you eating? Well, I don't know, like seven of them are on keto. They started in October. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. so unfortunately, the negative trends seem to be easier to follow because everybody wants a shortcut, right? Quote unquote, mm-hmm. like, they don't want to do things right. They just want a shortcut. And the thing was, and that's the thing with functional medicine also, it's not a shortcut. Listen, when you take fish oils or you take almost any supplement that's, you know, vitamin, mineral, botanical, I tell people, this isn't, you're not dosing yourself with a prescription medicine. You're not going to feel something in four hours. You're going to feel something in 30 days. And the longer you take it, the better results you're going to have. Things with collagen, they happen pretty quick. A lot of people tell me within a week or two of taking collagen, they physically see the difference in their skin, hair, and nails. And that's something we could see, right? We know how fast our nails grow. Um, Mm -hmm. Think about what's going on inside of your body with your soft tissue and with your gut healing and things like that. So when people don't instantly feel or see results, it's a little bit harder for them to justify them, I guess, and and to justify the actions, but it's happening. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, from my own experience uh, with, you know, actually putting in the time and effort on my diet and trying to make body changes, not just like my overall, like I'm going to be a higher performance person, but when I want to lose fat and build muscle, um, you know, there, there's nothing like the, the feeling you get when you've actually put in the right amount of energy into your body and you're using it. And it's just like when that equation has been, uh, I don't want to say mastered, but when you've micro mastered it for like the two months or whatever, three months, it no, I don't have a word for how good that feels because we're just not used to feeling um, that level of balance and, uh, whatever you know yeah it's like a symbiotic relationship between your training and and your recovery and people put so much effort into training and i'm like you need to put the same energy into your nutrition um i think it's a little easier for people because they go into a facility or a gym every day and somebody's on top of them like this is what you're going to do go 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 and they're coaching them the entire time and with nutrition even if i'm a concierge style nutritionist and i'm in touch with them as much as i can i'm not there all day telling them what decisions to make and I'm not there when things get tough. I can support them from the sidelines. It's almost like game day every day, right? Like your coach isn't there telling you what to do. You got to make some decisions out in the field. That's kind of like what it's like. I can coach you from the sidelines and I can be there when things come up, but you have to take all your own responsibility on. And I think it's harder for people. And I was just talking about this this morning with one of my athletes. I think people are scared to make changes. They think, oh, well, I'm going to do nutrition. I'm going to hire a nutritionist and I'm not going to be able to eat anything. It's going to be horrible. I'm going to eat chicken and broccoli. I'm going to be starving. And that's not the case. That's not the way to do it. And it shouldn't be that way. It's oh, that's so true. Yeah. You shouldn't feel like, and don't get me wrong, there's people out there that will do that to you, but you shouldn't feel deprived if you're following a proper nutrition program. Um, now, during combine time, when these guys have eight weeks to get to their goals, am I telling them, hey, you need to really be on it? Yes. Do I let them like maybe once in a while they're going to have wings or something? Listen, you can't tell people they can never have it. They're just going to want it more. So that's a different situation. But I think in a longer term plan, there's definitely ways to work in foods that people like. And especially now with like tools like air fryers and you know, you can make God bless my air fryer. Yes. (laughs) So people should, I think people are very afraid to do nutritional plans and, and to get on board with that. 
but the changes and the way you feel is so much better. And everybody says after they're on board for a while and they start to eat bad after they feel horrible. They're like, I don't even want to eat that anymore. I don't like the way I feel the next day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Plunge and putting in, what is it like? At the most, you're putting in four weeks of hard effort, but usually after like week two, if you're focused, it starts to become second nature, right? I think so. Yeah. I think I, you know, once you have, for me, I have to have that aha moment of like, oh, this is what it feels like, you know, and, and that goes the same for uh, my golf instructor that goes for the same as when I'm doing my muscle test with my clients. It's like, I'm a very kinesthetic learner. Like I have to feel it, you know? And um, yeah, no, I, I have, I have several little notes written down because oh, you really opened up some ideas in my brain. Um, the, what happens to an athlete before they get ulcers? Physiologically or how will they know? I mean, sometimes it's more, more than just NSAIDs, you know, it's a lot of like pain medication. Um, you're basically, you know, just, you're burning a hole into your, into your stomach and esophagus, right? You're using this medication. It's affecting your kidneys, but it's also affecting your gut directly. So, um, they're going to start to, they're having digestion problems. They're having a lot of pain. They're having a lot of reflux, you know, and that's okay. to see this. Um, and unfortunately it's after it's too late and yeah. no team doctor is thinking about that when they just want to get this athlete back on the field when they're in pain. Yeah. Um, so it's up to the athletes. The athletes have to advocate for themselves and I don't care what level you're at. If you're a high school or if you're a professional, you are in charge of your body and you have to speak up and advocate for yourself because I've seen it so much where unfortunately the coaches and the teams have their best interest in mind and they'll make you think it's yours, but win, right? They want to bring in more wins. They want to bring in more money. They want to bring in more value to their team and it's mm -hmm. a job in their program. And you're kind of a vessel for that for the couple years you're with them. So you have to really listen, be alert, be aware, seek outside practitioners and help. So yeah, there might be like a team doctor or a team nutritionist, but still at the end of the day, they're working for the team. You know, who's working yeah. for you? And that's where you have to seek that help and listen to your body. And if things seem wrong you know look into it speak up on it um well when you say things seem wrong there's a what are some indicators that something's not right listen you know your body right you know if you've been training and you're you feel an injury and say maybe you go to the team doctor or you go to your athletic trainer and they're like oh, we don't really see anything you know you're okay you can play but it hurts or hey listen how many times Let's put this in general population terms. How many times have you gone to a, like a GI doctor? You hear the stories where they've done every test, colonoscopies, whatever. They don't see anything. And they're like, all right, well, we don't see anything. You're fine. But you have stomach pains all the time. And you're like, mm -hmm. something's not right. When I eat food, I have pain. I go to the bathroom. I, you know, I, I, my social life is, is affected by it. So just because the doctor said we did these tests and like, there's nothing there, does that mean that you're not sick? It's in your head? No. That means you, there's really still something going on there. And I think... Same thing goes for any athletic feelings, you know, whether it be an injury or um, maybe you're not losing weight and you're like, listen, I'm really working hard. I'm not lying. I'm not cheating. I'm doing the, the work in the gym and I'm doing the nutrition. So why am I not losing weight? And then to me, in the functional medicine side of me, is like, okay, we need to look a little bit deeper about what's going on with your hormones. Hormones being, you know, your thyroid and also your sex hormones. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have to look deeper there because- if somebody really is putting in this effort, there's, some, there's a bigger picture to it. Something else is going on metabolically in their body. Um, so it's not, you just have to kind of 
understand and feel that what's going on is not in your head, right? It's really physically happening to you. And when yeah. you're hitting walls with that, or you're uncomfortable, I mean, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, they gave me all this food, they want me to gain weight. Well, does that feel comfortable for you? I mean, of course, there's putting all eating disorders and body image aside. You know, do you feel comfortable walking around at this weight? Do you move well at this weight? Or do you feel like, hey, maybe this isn't healthy. Maybe I shouldn't be eating this much just because they want me to be, you know, mm -hmm. just because they want me to be 160 pounds, but I feel so much better at like 150 or I'm going to use guys because that's easier numbers for me. <laughs> like uh -huh. when guys are like 320, but they're moving better at like 310. But mm -hmm. traditionally the team says for this position, you need to be between 320 and 325, you know? Um, yeah. well, what does that mean? Like, why should you have to carry around this extra body weight? There's a lot, there's a lot of different ways that you can be feeling things and that people can make, can minimize them. Right. And especially yeah. when you're younger, you don't know any better. So. Yeah. Just, that's the thing. They're just like, this is the number you have to be at. Like what kind of damage is being done from like that whole, the fighting, uh, you know, sports realm. Um, you have to eat the, you have to be at this certain weight. You, if you're going to like female, uh, weightlifters, you know, they have categories that they have to fit into. Oh, that's the, and you know, I'm a weightlifter. So that is the hardest thing for me when they just changed the weight ranges. And I was like, Oh, great. Everyone's great. Everyone's going to be able to eat more. No, everybody wanted to go down a, a category. I'm like, mm. why don't you want to go up a category? And the few people that did go up on a local and on a national international level, they've done really well. Women are so quick to be like, I want to drop down. I want to drop down. Listen, you've been struggling to be at 69. Now you want to be 63? Like go up mm -hmm. to 71. See what happens to your body then. The people that have accepted that are doing amazing. Feed your body. You are an athlete. Fuel your body and see what you get <laughs> out of it. Stop taking away. Yeah. Know? Why are we taking away? And weight class sports drive me crazy. Yeah. No, that's the thing. Why are, yeah, why are we taking away? And like that, what you said earlier, it's like you shouldn't feel deprived when you're on a quality plan, right? Not, it's, uh, so like both of those things are examples of like the backwards thinking of the most basic lies in fitness and sports, you know, like take away and feel deprived and punish your body. Don't stress too much. <laughs> and meanwhile, that's stress right there, right? Like now yeah. you're putting stress on your body. I mean, some of our biggest, our biggest effects of our hormones are stress. And it's not just mental stress, but physical stress on our body. And when we're taking away foods and we're taking away carbohydrates or we're taking away fats, all those things, it's putting stress on our body. Um, so like, that's another thing athlete can think about, like, am I sleeping at night? Am I not getting enough sleep? Am I in an overtraining zone and underfeeding and it's affecting my sleep? Like that's one really good sign. Yeah. Um, you can't sleep when you're like that. Yeah, so. no, that's one of my, that's one of my signals that I hadn't eaten enough carbs. Uh, you know, high quality carbs. Like if my sleep is affected and then I just take one look at what I ate the day before and I'm like, oh yeah, I should have had that extra helping of squash. And honestly, that's taken years of fine tuning and working with a functional medicine practitioner and a functional nutrition coach. The value of being able to do that is a uh, something I respect highly. So speaking of having the right information, can we talk about the BS of Instagram and nutrition?
you kind of mentioned something earlier that it and unfortunately hit home when you said i don't just run off top five lists like these are the top five and there are some well-established with great education well-known practitioners on instagram and that's the route they take because it drives business you know and so at the root of most things and most people on instagram is more of how am i driving business to my bigger company and it's not that they're giving you lies per se i mean these are there are, are agendas too behind them don't forget um but they're doing okay top five this and let me drive you to my website so that i can give you so you can need more information or have to buy something from me um and it's agenda driven into whatever their focus is so unfortunately it's so hard to navigate it because even if somebody has like phd md you know this this and that after their name you have to now look at like what's their agenda what are they pushing yeah. with this and is it is it good enough information have they become such a big brand that they lost that focus of the individual um and some people some business advisors have said to me you, know, you need to do those things more and i'm like I just can't sell, you know, I need to, I'm just being me right now. And I give the information, the knowledge as I have it. And for me, I'm still discovering because I'm always doing research and it's such a big part of my life. So you'll see me post sometimes. I'm like, Oh, I just figured this out. Or I just found out about this, or I'm thinking outside the box and trying to put pieces of puzzles together because sports nutrition is still so yep. what we know about it. Um, Precisely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's just like every day, like, and it's, it's true. Like, guess what? I just found out like, that fat doesn't inhibit protein absorption in the bloodstream after working out. Well, for five years, we thought it did. So now I'm telling people, oh yeah, by the way, it doesn't matter if you have peanut butter in your shake after your workout. Where for four years, that was like a big thing. Do not put peanut butter in your shake after your workout, you know? And now it's like, oh, by the way, it doesn't matter. And, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. hey, we're learning stuff, new stuff all the time. Um, but back to the original question, I think that always looking for what their credentials are, go to their website, look for their bio. What does it say? Like, do they have a college education? Are they licensed? Are they something in this area? Or are they just like a coach? Are they just somebody who went through a process, you know, that they, mm -hmm. they themselves lost weight? Okay, that's great. Like you lost weight. Oh, you're an N1, you know? <laughs> so I always look into people's bios on their website and see what their education is. Um, and and mm -hmm. that, just before and after pictures are not enough. I mean, listen, it's yeah easy to cause a stimulus and make people lose weight in a couple months, especially people that are new to diet. So is this somebody, are they somebody who works with people and helps them lose weight instantly? Or are they people that have worked with people that have been on a weight loss or weight gain journey for years and they know how to work with them when things are stuck? Because when they're stuck mm -hmm. is the hard time. It's not about like, that's my first time ever losing weight, right? So that's another yeah. thing for, you know, what are these pictures and things they're putting out there? Um, and what's the science behind things? Are they biased? you know, a certain way, is there actual science behind things? Um, yeah. But I think that's another way to look too. The last thing is we're talking about athletes and in, in my business and the podcast, um, a lot of the people that are engaged are people that are trying to keep their old sports injuries from coming back because we've accumulated them. We've pushed our body to the limit. We've had a surgery or two or three. How do we help people understand that nutrition can prevent their, or increase their bone health, improve their joint health, and I don't know, keep them working out. You know what I mean? Like, well, there's a lot it, of things to that. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, 
what's an injury? An injury is like your body telling you that it can't perform at what you're trying to do to it. And a lot of times that's because it's not being fueled correctly because the fuel we're putting into our body affects what's coming out of it. People forget that equation. It's not just output. It's like, what's going in. And so when your body is so stressed or so drained, that's when the injuries come in. So nutrition is such a big part of injury prevention. And there's so many stats on this as well. I mean, I could have pulled up one of my decks I just did for a presentation. There's so many stats behind the importance of nutrition to preventing injury. Um, and, and it's the food, but it's also the supplements, like you said, you know, the collagen, females and adolescents should start thinking about bone health then. Um, and then also sleep is a huge part of recovery. So I consider that into the nutritional realm. You know, when I look at nutrition, sleep's definitely into that. Um, so it's such a big part of injury prevention. So we can mm -hmm. prevent injuries and not have to think, oh, well, now I'm injured. Now I need to start on my nutrition. Now, once you are injured immediately, our body is into a high stress zone where our metabolism changes, especially if it's trauma or surgery. Mm -hmm. um, we have a time period where our body utilizes amino acids differently. And what is normally um, non-essential becomes conditionally essential amino acids. And then also the way our body metabolizes protein is different. Our metabolism actually goes up a little bit right after surgery because it's repairing. And a lot of people think, oh, I have to scale back on my food because I'm not training. Well, your body's doing a lot of internal work right now. And that's the worst time to scale back. I think it's about like 30% more calories and protein is what's needed. Everyone's a little different. So there's the injury prevention of fueling and giving your body what it needs. And then there's the injury recovery of once again, providing your body what it needs to heal properly. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, that is huge. That yeah. I'm sure that's what people do when they, after surgery, they're, yeah, they're just like, well, I'm just going to sit here. And it's, you know, it's the same type of dangerous idea that um, women, you know, after they give birth, like their body's doing a ton of work. So much and, breastfeeding is even yeah. more, more calories than when you're pregnant. Yeah. And there, are, and, and instead we're so conditioned to just like, you know, uh, take away, take away and try to punish ourselves for some reason, instead of uh, the abundance of nourishing and the mindset behind that. Um, yeah, I, okay. Um, I, I'm so, I loved uh, the, our conversation and um, so grateful for your presence and how you show up on Instagram and I'm sure showing up for your clients uh, with the passion and dedication that you do. Um, speaking of, you're also a huge trooper for being a Jets fan. So <laughs> kudos for that. Um, hey, we got the dub yesterday. We won. <laughs> we, did really, we did really great at home um, this year. And, and I'm a Jets fan because I have clients on the Jets, you know, um, yeah. being a New Yorker, you know. How do you work with people? And when are you accepting? And what type of clients are you accepting? Sure. I do coaching with people. I do monthly, usually three to six months of coaching um, where I have people all over the country. I use Zoom video conferencing to do video conferencing and we use the phone as well and all those types of fun communications that are out there. Um, and I work with any active population. So you do not have to be a professional or competitive athlete, but you are somebody who maybe is going to the gym four or five days a week, need better results in the gym um, or, you know, you're active and you do have something that's related to functional medicine. So you do have autoimmunity, PCOS, thyroid, um, 
hormone problems, maybe it's fertility, all those plethora of things, gut issues, those fall under my umbrella while you're active, right? Yeah. I mean, I can think of like multiple people of my clients who are active women and men who are just trying to figure out this stage of life. And yeah, that has a lot to do with it too. Like, Hey, maybe things aren't like they used to be in your twenties and you're not losing weight like you used to, or, you know, you, maybe you had kids and now you're focusing on yourself and you yeah. want to really get into things because working out is great, but you have to do the nutrition part to see the results. And it's for me, I want to teach you how to eat for a lifetime. And that's why I would say usually three to six months, because after that, you should understand how to eat the rest of your life. It's a small investment in time and money to learn something for the rest of your life um, and, and change and help your health for the rest of your life. It's not just about weight loss or weight gain, right? There's a bigger picture too. Um, so, I, so I work with general pop, active general population. And then of course, any athletes that are high school, college, and professional athletes as well. Um, going into combine season, so I will be really heavy busy with my athletes, but I am leaving about 10 spots open for January and February for general population. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good to know. What is the best way to learn more about your platform and your services? Sure. Um, well, my Instagram, which I guess you could put in the show notes, it's mm -hmm. nutrition, which is A-T-H-L-E-A-T-S. I put a lot on my Instagram. Um, also my website, athletesnutrition.com. Um, or just reach out to me via email and I can send you over more information that's specific to what your needs are. And I can let you know a lot more about my coaching that way as well. Fabulous. Uh, what's in, um, oh, I do have one, one fault. This is important. <laughs> Sorry. Um, when you talked about the functional uh, medicine piece, um, you also work with like people's practitioners, um, any, any clients and- with doctors um, as closely as I can, because obviously they're part of the equation. I'll work with, you know, all different coaches, doctors, everyone that's in the, in the picture who wants to work with me. Um, each state is a little bit different as well. In New York, I cannot order lab work. In other states, I can, so I can get things mm -hmm. done. But I do try to keep things, whatever is covered by your insurance, let's have your doctor order it. You know, if it's functional, mm -hmm. and it's not covered by insurance, it's gonna be the same thing either way. Um, so I try to keep those costs down for ordering lab work. But of course, yes, I always want to work with doctors and I hope that they want to work with me as well. Um, okay. it's, there's, it takes a village sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would love when my clients will give me access to their other practitioners and whether that be a chiropractor or just their coach, it makes it all work better. Um, anyways, thank you so much for being with us today and i look forward to seeing more from you in the new year all right thanks for having me on all right bye bye thanks so much for joining me on that interview like i said i just really admire the way that she leads and that she teaches so please go check her out i don't want to butcher her last name, but <laughs> I think it's Sclaver. Jack Jacqueline Sclaver at athletesnutrition.com or Athletes Nutrition on Instagram. A-T-H-L-E-A-T-S. Also, you'll be hearing some shorter releases 
on Think Fit Be Fit on this podcast stream. Those will be on Mondays, 10 minutes to 15 minutes each. And then Wednesdays, we will have this longer format. Obviously, I've gone all in on the podcast for 2020. And thank you so much for being here and for your support.